We're officially a week out from the start of another Premier League season and with captaincy changes, personnel changes and questions left to answer for both Manchester United and Liverpool, fiercest rivals who share a rich heritage, we've decided to dedicate an entire episode to both teams and how they could potentially mirror and reflect each other from both a stylistic and tactical perspective heading into the new season. And who better to join us than longtime Liverpool fan Satyajit Banerjee. Satyajit, first of all, how are you doing? And please introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, glad to be here. Um, glad to be doing this pod again. Um, it's been a while since we've uh, since I was involved in this, and you know, I'm glad you know we can finally talk about football again, and you know, enlighten our viewers about what's going on in the world of not just Premier League, but even European football, and. I'm looking forward to this upcoming season, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about what's what's there, what's left to come. Yeah, that's great, man. And uh, we have a lot to get into, so let's just jump right in. And um, I guess the logical place to start is the end of an era for Liverpool, with Jordan Henderson completing his move to the Saudi club. And uh, yeah, what's your overall take on that? He he came in as a young. Lad kind of took over from the great Steven Gerrard and 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 what are your overall perceptions of how his journey what his journey has been like and and yeah how how Liverpool looks moving forward in terms of that captaincy. Yeah, no, um I know Jordan Henderson I feel has been, you know, for the last decade or so, he's been one of the mainstays in the Liverpool squad and you know, he was when he was given captaincy. Uh, by Gerard before he left in 2015. I mean, you know, he had already been, you know, a reliable member of the squad, and you know, he's he's been a brilliant captain. And you know, there towards the end of his tenure, there have, there had been a lot of questions about just whether he can offer the same quality or um, you know whether he's good enough to start and, and whatnot. But you, no one can deny that he, whenever he stepped onto the pitch, he kind of gave it his all and led by example more often than not. And not just on the field, but off the field, you know, whatever he's done. You know, in terms of representation and just you know being like a captain's captain, essentially, you know he's been a great, great servant not just to Liverpool but to the Premier League. And you know, I wish him all the best. Um, I, I, I personally like I would have liked him to stay for a little bit longer. Um, mm. especially um, given that you know last season didn't exactly pan out the way most Liverpool fans would have wanted. And you know, in this time of transition, it was important to have some good leaders. In there, especially after we knew Milner was going to leave, you know, losing both right. Jordan Henderson and Milner who were two absolute, you know, stalwarts and great leaders. You know, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, it is how it is, and you know, I wish him all the best in Saudi Arabia, and you know, I hope he has a good end to his career. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a disappointment. I mean, personally, I feel a little sad that he's leaving, but. I'm sure his replacement Virgil Van Dijk will will do a brilliant job. Um, he's already been he's already captain of the Netherlands, and you know I think he'll do very well as Liverpool captain as well. Yeah, that's that's a very fair and grounded perspective, and I appreciate you for sharing that. But I feel like Virgil Van Dijk also, in a certain sense, is coming to the twilight years of his career, so. It would make sense to look at mm-hmm. who the vice captain is, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold. And mm-hmm. it's quite likely that mm-hmm. he's he's the one who's being groomed for that future captaincy role. So there's been a lot of talk about 
what Trent is, how he is as a player, and what are his strengths and weaknesses. But from from a leadership perspective, what do you see in Trent Alexander Arnold? Um, yeah, I I feel like you know he's, I mean I, I I'm I've seen his interviews and you know you know on the field as well he kind of you know carries himself in a certain way and you know you can see kind of the little like bits and pieces of a captain in there. Um, obviously still still very young relative to some of the other teammates that he he has he's only 20, he's, he's not even 25 yet he'll be 25 later this year so still quite young of course Gerard got captaincy when he was 23 but you know he was a he, he was a different kind of player and you know he, he's a born and bred scouser and so is Trent and I think he will also kind of take that mantle going forward you know at his best he's one of the best players in his position and you know what he brings to the table obviously no Liverpool fan will forget kind of how he's contributed in winning some of the trophies that we've won over the last couple of years but you know I, I, I a lot of people thought that giving him vice captaincy was a bit early in the sense that you know there were other options like Salah, Allison, Robertson even um, but I feel like like what you mentioned is very important in the sense that he's being groomed because Allison, Salah they're all kind of also in that similar age range, you know, over 30. So having someone, you know, getting groomed for that, you know, future Liverpool captaincy is is important. So I think that's kind of the direction that that, that was taken into consideration when Trent was uh, given the vice captaincy. And I'm sure he's going to do a good job. Um, he knows how the club is. And, you know, he's been part of the club system since he was very young, like, in, like he was eight or something when he joined. So I'm sure he's going to do a brilliant job. So and, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to how he does in the coming season. Yeah, I I agree with you. And would you, if you were to classify Trent into one of two categories, one of them being a more vocal captain and the other being a sort of lead by example kind of captain, where would you say he falls? Does he fall in between, or does he fall into one of those two categories? I think he shows a bit of both, in the sense. Um, I wouldn't say super vocal, but um, you know you can still kind of see um, once in a while he does kind of post-match interviews and you know those, those stepping up for those kind of um, roles where right. you know maybe he would he wants to kind of speak his mind a little bit more. And I've seen some of some he had an interview I think at the end of the season where you know he admitted that you know the the finish was not kind of uh, reflective of how Liverpool would have wanted you know fifth place. It was not good enough and, um, you know, he knows that and, you know, hearing him say it um, on Sky Sports or whatever is definitely a good sign that, you know, he's showing the maturity you would like to see from someone who's been groomed for a captaincy and leadership position. So, I'm, I'm obviously very happy to see it and, you know, I, I, I think he's, you know, he knows, like I said, he knows what it means to play for Liverpool. He's been there for so long and... You know, I, I'm sure, like you know, he's gonna get only like better and better in his captaincy role as he kind of takes more responsibility. And this kind of mirrors well with uh, who I consider to be quite a, a, a sort of interesting figure in the Manchester United dressing room with regards to a fullback who is Luke Shaw, where. He mm-hmm. sort of is quite vocal in these after-match press conferences about uh, what's been happening and what's not right with the squad. And at the same time, he's on the field. He's more of a lead-by-example kind of player. 
and uh, mm-hmm. i think it's not a stretch to imagine him as one of the leaders in the manchester united dressing room who by the way have also had a recent captaincy change uh, harry maguire mm-hmm. recently being sort of for the lack of a better word stripped of the captaincy because well you can't have a captain that doesn't play and uh, regardless right. of what fans opinions are on maguire i still feel there's a player in there but i think as far as the influence that bruno fernandes has on the squad and the importance of such a creative player to the squad i feel like he was sort of the obvious choice and if you look at those around him sort of varan casemiro the more experienced players i don't see how moving forward in a couple of years time when you're expecting manchester united challenge that they remain as mainstays in the squad they look to be at least to me some uh, as two profiles that will eventually be phased out so i feel like bruno fernandes that way is the only the only logical choice so from an outsider's perspective uh, what what do you feel about that what do you see when you look at manchester united and that entire leadership situation well uh, um i mean i feel like initially i felt when ole gave the captaincy to maguire it certainly raised a few eyebrows especially given that he had just joined the club and you know it's a big big responsibility leading a, a club like manchester united you know one of the biggest clubs in the world and one of the top top clubs in england if not the biggest club i feel like definitely it's a it's a big responsibility and i feel like a harry maguire was not ready for it um and you know it's he certainly didn't help himself um you know and you know it's hard i feel like um, he was a he faced a lot of blame a lot, a lot of the times and some of it was kind of unwarranted um but mm-hmm. essentially like i feel like he wasn't ready for cap- the captaincy role so i feel like eric ten hag has kind of done another like he's he's made some big calls ever since he's come in especially with the ronaldo situation and then um, now with harry maguire not being captain anymore i feel he's made a lot of big calls and um, you know i feel like this is a good call on his part because like you mentioned harry maguire i feel if manchester united want to go and you know challenge for big titles and you know compete for champions leagues and premier leagues and things like that i feel like harry maguire cannot be a consistent starter and i feel removing him from captaincy was ultimately the right call and and bruno i know he's captain united a bunch of times now and you know he his antics on the field um, you know i feel sometimes gets a bit <laughs> a bit uh, overly dramatic but overall i think he's still a very good player for man united um, you know he he kind of uh, demands a lot from his from the players around him mm-hmm. you can see him kind of yelling at them when you know someone makes a mistake or something and you know i feel that is a good good thing um he shows a lot of passion and i feel he's going to be a, one of those captains who is not only vocal but also kind of leads by example and you know I, hopefully um, you know i hope he doesn't play well against liverpool but you know uh-huh. um well i feel like he'll be a he'll be a good captain for united especially for for the current kind of needs that they have as a club with them coming coming back into champions league and all that yeah well if that 7-0 is anything to go by i don't think you have to worry about him playing well against <laughs> especially at anfield but i mean anfield is a tough location <laughs> for any 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 yeah. team so uh, fair, fair. you know I, yeah Yeah. Well, speaking of Anfield, uh, pivoting back to Liverpool and uh, their pre-season feats, it's been a lot of goals scored. 
mm-hmm. and it's been a lot of Absolutely. goals conceded as well and mm-hmm. while preseason is one of those sort of spaces where you figure out different tactical ideas and get players back to fitness one would be tempted to you know sort of overlook these kind of mistakes that creep up and lead to defensive errors and consequently conceded goals but i think as far as liverpool concerned there's more than meets the eye where it's jurgen klopp who's trying to integrate a sort of new kind of box midfield system where you have a back three followed by a double pivot followed by two number 8s and then the three in front so as far as preseason is concerned how do you think this system has worked out and what are the possible deficiencies that you see in it starting with the backline because i feel like squad building is about setting a foundation first of all and if you must get the balance in that backline correct first and foremost and i think liverpool starting back three is quite easy to pinpoint at this stage where you have robertson on that left side uh, van dijk through the middle and konate on the right hand side and while van dijk doesn't seem to have the same level of explosivity and pace that he once had uh, still a very experienced and a good ball playing defender and konate seems to complement that well with regards to his pace and his ability to progress the ball out from the back it does have a mistake or two in him but i mean he's still quite young and who doesn't at that age and i feel like putting robertson on that left hand side as an outside center back would be kind of a stretch because his numbers don't seem to reflect a lot of defensive contribution i feel like he's a really good full back moving forward and i think a lot of liverpool's chance creation relies on him so i still feel that long term they need to recruit an outside center back who's physically dominant at defending the wide areas in order to make up for virgil van dijk's lack of uh, physical dominance mm-hmm. as i would like to put it so what are your takes on that no i mean you brought brought up some very good points and uh, you know you mentioned the box midfield the you've seen that a lot from man city and uh, you know he saw pep guardiola completely kind of dump the traditional kind of full back who kind of goes forward and tracks back and stuff like that to kind of kind of that kind of box midfield you have john stones and akanji or nathanake whoever's there kind of playing that the role of a full back on the paper but essentially what the what he's kind of trying to do is i think he's trying to play some really good 1v1 defenders who kind of can defend um, you know wingers and you know give just have a solid give a solid foundation at the back and you're right as far as robertson is concerned if you put him in that kind of left center back spot you're essentially kind of wasting a lot of his strengths which mm-hmm. is like going forward giving those crosses um, you know being um, you know like kind of like a pest essentially going up and down <laughs> just um you know being annoying for the wingers so um i feel like again a left center back would certainly be ideal someone who can you know play someone who's like nathan ake i, I look at nathan ake i see him he plays left back in the netherlands a few times he can play center back so he can he's kind of strong in both those areas so mm-hmm. kind of fit, finding someone in that kind of mold would certainly be someone if 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 Jurgen Klopp wants to board with this box midfield approach it would certainly be good to have as an option i feel uh, I, we still might not see the end of his 
traditional 4-3-3 um gag and pressing formation i feel like we can we we'll still kind of see some of that in this coming season but definitely to kind of add that tactical flexibility and have a plan b which is something he was is criticized for a lot it seemed mm-hmm. like he kind of wanted to stick with his traditional kind of pressing game even though kind of henderson fabinho they were kind of leggy in in the season and getting bypass in midfield quite easily so essentially changed to that box midfield towards the end and kind of we went on a big unbeaten run which almost saw us kind of get that fourth place but unfortunately it came too late so i feel like a left center back would certainly be good so it depends on who is available in the market cuz you don't want to pick just any random center back you need someone who will and Klopp is very um, you know mindful about those kind of things he picks someone who knows is going to help the team rather than just buying for the sake of buying so mm-hmm. we'll have to see there's still another month or so left in the transfer window so hopefully he finds someone not just a center back but also kind of a, a, a holding midfielder especially after Fabinho has also gone to Saudi Arabia so yeah. hopefully we can fill that gap sooner rather than later yeah and this dovetails nicely with the issues that Manchester United have as well where if you look at liverpool they need the holding midfielders specifically for the purpose of stifling the transitions that they continually face mm-hmm. because you have uh, profiles that are uh, uh, quite good in terms of moving forward like you have alexis mcallister and dominic sobeslay mm-hmm. uh where where mcallister has around 0.13 expected assists and sobeslay has 0.28 expected assists if you look at manchester united and their more advanced midfielders it's bruno with 0.47 ex- uh, expected assists and mount with 0.16 expected assists so it it kind of reflects nicely what sort of uh, number 8s manchester united and liverpool have where uh, one of them is a sort of primary creator and the other is a more secondary sort of second string creator who's going to uh, offer a bit more control but something you fail to see as far as liverpool is concerned is that that uh, is the athleticism and the ability to track back in terms of both mcallister and sobeslay so i feel the need for a box for a for a holding midfielder is definitely to like stifle those sort of transitions that you face balls in behind cutting through the spaces trying to intercept those kind of passes that fabinho used to do when he was at his physical peak and as far as manchester united is concerned they have issues progressing out from the back where you could make the argument that varan and van bissaka are not quite progressive not as progress- progressive as the left hand side of martinez and shaw and casemiro not really comfortable receiving the ball with his back to goal so another sort of midfielder who's a build up specialist beside him would be uh, would be a welcome definitely more than welcome and necessary addition as i would put it so so I, both what i'm saying is both united and liverpool need that kind of holding midfielder but for different reasons right mm-hmm. and i think someone both united and liverpool have looked at is romeo lavia from recently relegated southampton and a brilliant talent who is great receiving the ball with his back to goal under pressure great turning away from uh, pressuring opponents and uh, you know carrying the ball into space and great defensively as well in terms of intercepting and tackling and i think liverpool are obviously the more advanced club in terms of negotiations and i guess they would have to pay up and you know 
get this deal over the line because it's this profile that they desperately need. So what are your thoughts on uh, on this analysis of mine and like, yeah, what do you what do you think will happen with regards to the Romeo Lavia deal? Yeah, no, I, I I know that Liverpool, based on whatever rumors I've seen, they're very they're very adamant in trying to trying to get Romeo Lavia. Um, I feel like, I mean, I might be a minority in this, but I feel like Lavia should not it should not be our first choice in terms of um, kind of the player that we're looking for because he's still extremely young. I yeah. think he's he's only nineteen. Yep. And um, you know, if you put him, if you're buying him. Keeping in mind that you want to make him a starter, I feel like you know it's it's going to be a lot of pressure for him to deal with at that age. And you know, I'm not saying that we haven't seen very young players who are under 20 starting regularly for big teams. We've seen Bellingham, um, Vinicius Junior when he joined Real Madrid. All these players kind of starting at that young, even Saka. But I feel like for for what Liverpool needs, they don't need another player with high potential they need someone who is kind of already kind of established in mm-hmm. kind of you know playing regularly playing for a few years someone maybe in the early to mid 20s so someone like maybe another player that I'll and you you also must have you know been keeping an eye on is Amrabat who I yep, think yep. is another kind of player who kind of is a similar similar in the sense he's a CDM he can play in that role He's got he's good defensively, and you know he had a really really good World Cup take in for Morocco where they made the semi-finals. Mm-hmm. So I feel like someone like him would be someone I who I would prefer. And I'm not saying this because I think Lavia is bad or anything. I think he's a brilliant talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a he was in a pretty poor team in a in a poor situation, and ultimately. Um, I know a Klopp would definitely kind of develop him well, but I feel he should not be the primary uh, number six that Liverpool should go for, especially if they're going to have to spend fifty million on him in this season. Mm-hmm. So that's just my opinion on on the whole Lavia deal. If we get him, well and good. I'm not going to complain, but I feel like from in my opinion, they need someone with that kind of experience, especially after Fabinho's leaving. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, it seems like Manchester United on on the flip side of that have been quite heavily linked with Amrabat and apparently personal terms are agreed mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I mean, I am more of the opinion that, uh, you know, Casemiro, if you look at his age and Eriksen, if you look at both of their ages, they're both 31 and Bruno Fernandes is 28 verging on 29. And if you buy someone like Amrabat, it's... It's a, who is 26, verging on 27. You're not quite reducing the average age of that midfield by a lot. So, <laughs> I am someone who would prefer Lavia, but it seems like we have some financial restrictions, which is why we're going for Amrabat, a more sensible deal financially, definitely. And you are someone who would prefer experience because uh, Liverpool have let two stalwarts in their midfield let go in this transfer window, and you would prefer someone a bit more experienced to come in and fill in that role. And uh, yeah, I feel like yeah. uh, in terms of number eights, in terms of the more forward-thinking midfielders in Mountain, Fernandez, and um, uh, Alexis McAllister and Sobosloy, I think Man United's number eights and Liverpool's number eights are quite antithetical to each other. 
where where they kind of reflect each other's mm-hmm. qualities but are also similar in terms of profile where it seems like both are going to be pressing from the front really from the from the get go and one of them is going to be a primary creator the other one is going to be a sort of more second string creator you see that alexis mcallister has uh, 1.12 dispossessed per 90 and Sobosly has 1.22 dispossessed per 90, whereas Mason Mount has 1.38 dispossessed per 90, and Bruno has 1.08 dispossessed per 90. So one of so one of the attacking midfielders is a bit more secure on the ball than the other. The other is a bit less secure on the ball. Is going to be more of a risk taker. So I feel like United and Liverpool kind of building the same sort of pressing structure from the front. in terms of creation and yeah. in, in terms of recovering the ball in terms of their counter press where you have three forwards who are going to be high energetic supported by two number 8s running into the half spaces constantly and i think the only difference you're going to see in terms of the style of these two teams is how you build out from the back uh and 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 so what are your opinions on liverpool and their build up structure do you think they have enough to sort of circumvent the high pressing high energy nature of the premier league or do you feel like it's 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 good enough it's just that holding midfielder that you need to plug um i feel like in terms of just if you look at the back line and the goalkeeper i feel alisson his feet is 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 fairly good and i feel he was our best player last season um you know he saved us in a lot of games and you know I feel he was definitely a player of the season in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel Van Dijk even if he may not be physically you know the same after that he's healed back in the in the covid-19 season I feel he's still kind of his on the ball ability is still you know not lost he's still an elite ball playing center back and Konate is also kind of getting there he kind of makes those marauding runs every now and then into the midfield mm-hmm. um similar to matip although now i think matip is slowly kind of entering that twilight time of his career um but no i mean other than that i feel like definitely a number 6 would definitely kind of make it better someone who can you know turn with his back towards the opposite opposition's goal facing alisson so i feel like if he can get someone who can do that that would be great but you know i feel like a lot of the problem we don't have much of a issue with the you know building up from the back i feel our build up play is not not bad um there's a, obviously going to be room for improvement but definitely now with the, if he play the box we then have Trent Alexander-Arnold who can also play pick that forward pass out the only missing puzzle i would say in that situation would be a, a reliable six who is good with his back mm-hmm. towards the opposition yeah. facing Allison so that is that is probably the only missing puzzle but other than that i think we are fine in terms of build up the only issue i feel is like you mentioned in preseason we've been seeing a lot of goals mm-hmm. and we've been also conceding a lot of goals i feel this is very similar to the 2017-18 season mm-hmm. where liverpool kind of made made the champions league final for the first time where uh, kind of the 3-1 against uh, real madrid happened mm-hmm. um cristiano's last season at madrid so i feel like you know we are very similar to that kind of liverpool where we score like a lot of goals most salah broke the goal scoring record but you also like concede so many goals as well and the, we need to sort that out especially um, if we want to compete for you know you know top 4 or top 2 or whatever 
um, I feel that is going to be an issue that Klopp needs to sort sort out sooner rather than later, for sure. Yeah, I feel I feel that you need definite balance in your midfield, both in terms of moving forward and uh, going backward, and mm-hmm. balance in different phases of play. Right. So you have your build up, you have your second phase where you progress out from the back line, you circulate the ball in midfield, look yeah. for openings, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and 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 then you create chances. So I feel like. Balance is really important. Trent not really a build-up specialist. So, and as far as Casemiro and Varane and Van Bissak are concerned, not really elite ball progressors. So, I feel this is a position that both United and Liverpool need to plug. That another build-up specialist mm-hmm. kind of holding midfielder that would be good. And uh, yeah, just just going a little further than further than our midfield. We've talked about a lot about the midfield, but how 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 do you see mm-hmm. the the forward line stacking up? In terms yeah, of... absolutely. Sure, I, um, I, I would love to talk about that. But I also had one small question for you. Do you not think uh, Diogo Dallo, do you think he doesn't start over Antisaka anymore, given yeah, how I, Ten Hag wants to play? Look, if in an ideal world, Dallo starts for me, 100% over Van Bissaka mm-hmm. because he's much more comfortable under pressure and uh, in, in picking out those line-breaking passes. So for me, yeah, Dallo definitely starts. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I think Ten Hag might relegate Dallo to a second choice role as we've seen in preseason and in the matches before preseason towards the end of the season. So I'm not really sure on what he might might or might not do because Ten Hag is like really unpredictable in those sort of situations. But yeah. for me, yeah, Dallo, Diego Dallo starts 100%. Yeah, I feel like... Um, I think he started in the Carabao Cup final as well. So yeah. I think he definitely... You know, I feel it'll be based on kind of how Ten Hag feels, who's playing better in training and all that stuff. Because kind, they're kind of uh, very different players, but you know, they they have their own strengths. And I feel like if Ten Hag wants to play kind of his kind of his brand of football, I feel that uh, Diego Dallo would kind of definitely be someone he should start, at mm-hmm. least in my opinion. Yeah. And I think you should share that as well. Yeah. But talking about the forward line, um. I mean, Liverpool has kind of, they're spoiled in terms of the number of choices they have to kind of pick and choose in that forward line. I mean, you know, you have Salah, Gakpo, Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunez, and kind of Luis Diaz as well. And then you have like some younger players as well. Ben Doak, he's only 17 and he's kind of getting a lot of minutes in preseason. You have um, Kate Gordon, he got injured unfortunately, but He's also a promising young player. But in terms of the the main players, I think um we have the main five. And if you had to pick if I had to pick a front three, I feel Salah's spot is kind of fixed on that right wing. Mm-hmm. Um you have um Divas Diaz on the left and you have Darwin Juniors, Gakpo or Jota, all of whom can coincidentally also play on the left. So yeah. you know, we just have a lot of choices and yeah, I, I think feel it's we're very lucky in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I think whether you play Gakpo or Nunez or Jota will depend upon the midfield structure. I think if you're going for a more 4-3-3, you're going to see Gakpo in the false nine dropping into the midfield mm-hmm. to offer the extra man and then make those runs in behind. Whereas if you're playing with the Mox midfield, I think you're going to see a more traditional striker in terms of uh, Darwin Nunez. So yeah, I think you've summed that up pretty well. But I think Liverpool's forward yeah. line much superior to Manchester United in terms of goal-getting, finishing, in terms of all-round balance. Manchester United have signed Rasmus Hoyland, 
who has that good box presence that we've been missing for a long while to sort of get in the on the end of those tap in kind of chances you know the ones that i'm talking about and mm-hmm. to yeah. sort of increase our goal tally where we only scored 58 goals last season so i think that's a good signing but the way he's going to be integrated into this into the squad is sort of it's going to be a step by step not necessarily uh, at one yeah. go whereas i feel nunez is somebody who's had that sort of one year of development um so Absolutely. i feel like i feel like yeah it's it's still a bit up in the air in terms of where manchester united do with their forward line how they find the goals but yeah that's that's just going through the entire squad of both teams comparing where, how they stand a lot of uh, questions to answer i feel for both uh, uh, united and liverpool uh, so do you have anything to add on that such a strategy or do you think we've touched upon basically everything yeah no i feel like you mentioned Ho- hoyland and you know he's i think he's going to be a great player kind of he's very young still and you know i feel ten hag is the right coach to kind of develop him and you know he's during his time at atlanta he's kind of showed that he's not just a box box forward he can also kind of drop deep contribute in the build up play as well mm-hmm. kind of uh, bring others in as into the game and you know he's he's like 6 foot 5 and he can kind of dribble and he's kind of like haland build like haland but i feel he's more he has got a bit more flair compared mm-hmm. to haland so you're going to basically kind of if you can develop him properly you, you're going to get a really really good player and this was seen in actually the last game of the cr where um, one of the mid- attacking midfielders in um, coop minor scored a hat trick and you know it was all because of kind of Holland. One of it was factors of Holland coming in deep and letting them go forward. So Rashford yeah. and Anthony, I feel, can benefit a lot. But no, I feel like your forward line also has some good signs, and Anthony is going to definitely, you know, he's he's going to get better this season. Rashford's also kind already kind of playing well. So there's definitely some promising signs for United's forward line, and you know, obviously Liverpool have a bit more quality, but you know, I'm not going to say United is that much worse. So you know, you have to wait and see how they do. Yeah. So going by everything that we've just talked about taking into consideration the strengths weaknesses what holes that are there in the different uh, two squads uh, where do you think uh, Liverpool finish where do you think United finish at the end of the season in terms of the table and do you have any hot takes in terms of that I watched your la- the last episode actually and you kind of did kind of give your predictions Yeah. and a lot of you said um, i think you said liverpool finished second or third um, yeah. kind of toss up between them and arsenal mm-hmm. i i mean what you what we are essentially kind of talking about is liverpool the second or third best team in the league mm-hmm. at the moment if you don't get the need, the the necessary kind of get we fill up the necessary gaps in terms of a left center back or a, or a proper cdm i feel if you don't do that i feel like liverpool I think Liverpool finish fourth. Um okay. I think they're not the second or third best team. I think Arsenal are kind of ahead of us. And I think the third and fourth place we could finish third. It's between us and Man United I feel. Mm-hmm. You know, I that that's my opinion. Um but I think fourth would definitely I would say is kind of what I see Liverpool finishing at if they don't kind of act quickly in the transfer window. Yeah, okay. That sums it up really well, Satjit. some great insights coming in from you from a lifelong liverpool fan and we really appreciate it and i think that's a good episode what do you say 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's going to be a really competitive league uh, yeah. season. I see like there are a lot of teams in and around the, the in the top five, six position. You've got Newcastle, Aston Villa even. Aston Villa, people are sleeping on them, I feel. I think they're going to have a great season. Yep, and yep. even um, the likes of Chelsea and Tottenham. I mean, you never know, man. You never know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah great episode. Um, thank you for like having me here and um, yeah, give, sharing me, your insights with me. And you know, hopefully um, you enjoyed listening to both of us. Um, please uh, share and um, you know, give us a five-star rating on Spotify if you can. It'll yeah. definitely help us kind of produce yeah. more of this kind of content and share it with as many people as possible. So thank you for listening to us. Thank you, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Hope you have a good one.